This is Jesse Parker and Tommy Niblack. Welcome, Welcome to, to the, the Faith, Faith Chair, Chair, where we answer the questions that arise at the intersection of faith and culture. In this episode, we're going to continue the theme of season four of love, relationships, sex, and marriage with Tommy sharing his love story and the things that he's learned at, through his years of marriage and fatherhood. Hope you're ready. Let's get into it. Yo, my checker. One, two, we in the house. <laughs> it is Faith Chair, beautiful Friday. It is not, it has not rained for, oh no, it did rain yesterday. It's about to be dry for a week. Are you serious? That's unheard of. This I'm time cleaning of the backyard. Yeah, I'm getting I'm all that poop garage. out. I'm, I'm finally reclaiming my garage from the holidays and, and the wedding and stuff. It nice. Hot mess. Nice. I just put the salt back in the shed because it's been sitting on the porch yeah. since that snow. I was thinking, I was like, should I put my shovels back in the shed? I was like, it's only January. <laughs> we'll probably get snow. You know, it's Seattle. We'll probably get snow in like like March 2nd or something like that. Holy crap. <laughs> oh, my God. We got snow that late. So, my so brain. I was like, I'm going to leave them out. I'm not going to put in the shed right now. But I am cleaning my garage. I forgot what month this was. That's why I put my salt away. Because I was like, I didn't even, th- I didn't even the stop. The sun came out. And you just freaked. You just I was skipped like, three months, and we're like, sweet green time. Nice. <laughs> Spring. We're in Mar- uh, March. Spring. This is great. The weather's getting increasingly better every day. No, it's January. I need to keep the shed unlocked. Because uh, <laughs> who the stink? I put the salt back, and I put the shovels back. Mm. So maybe I jumped the gun. Um, we'll see. But yeah, well, the sun is out and it's dry, so I'm good. I'm looking forward to some dry days. Mm -hmm. Bro, sorry. So we are in it. This is the relationship series. Season. Season four. Love, relationships, and sex. Hot topics. Clickbait. (laughs) Right. (laughs) Right. We'll come up with some crazy... You got to come up with some crazy titles so people like... What? So they stop in their tracks. What are you just? What is this about? Hootie who? Yeah. Um, but today, we're, this is part two of. Yeah. Today we get to delve into all your personal details. Yes. <laughs> all my stuff, and oh. I have not spoken about any of this to my wife. So she, when she hears it, it's going to be her first time. Episode three is going to be. <laughs> it's going to be Mo and Jen doing their mm-hmm. renditions of the. Of the stories. <laughs> that might actually be valuable for us for right. a contrast. Talk about how guys and uh, ladies look at things a little That's bit true. differently. Um, I, I will say this on that topic. It wasn't until later on in the marriage that I did realize that that was exactly the case. So when, it, not necessarily about how we met um, per se, but just about how we viewed our current situation. Yeah. So like it for me, it was like, oh, everything's great. For her, it was like, um, this marriage sucks. We need to get It'd be out like, of yeah, this. we met, and, you know, my game was super smooth. I walked up to her and, you know, dropped the game, and she mm-hmm. swooned. Her version is, this guy was super awkward and klutzy, but I decided to give him a chance because he was sweet. Because like, he was sweet. <laughs> he was persistent. He wouldn't stop. So I was like, okay. But, um, but yeah, uh, it's my turn to talk about... Mo and I, and yeah. we met when uh, I was 13 and she was 14. And it was at a uh, 
what how do I it was at a church function. I, I'm sure it had a name. I can't remember. Uh, like a conference. So I it was like a church a trying to function. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> oh, gosh. Um, and so it was at a church function. I was in Georgia at the time because my, my, my parents actually split up. And my mom took my siblings and I to Georgia. And uh, so the conference was being held in Augusta, Georgia. And this particular church that we were going to was affiliated with my my uncle's church um, in New York. And that happened to be where my wife's family were was attending at the time. And so uh, her father was one of the elders um, there, and he was able to bring not all of his kids. They got... Uh, Four kids, he was only able to bring, I think, two. He brought his two daughters, Mariah and her sister, her younger sister. So that was my first time ever meeting her. And I was, we were, we were at the hotel. We were all staying at the hotel because I can't remember why I was even at the hotel. I lived there. I lived in Georgia. So I don't know why I was at the hotel. But uh, I know why you were at the hotel. Don't lie. Ah. Hormonal Christian teenager. Ah. I was doing biblical research at the hotel. <laughs> oh. Either that or you were just trying to get away from your family. I can't it remember. It could be both ends, really, at that age. I honestly can't remember. You know what's funny? Now that I'm talking about it, I remember the exit to, to get that gets off the highway that goes to that hotel. I could see it. I see it right now. Um, but I can't remember why. We were going there unless, because they, the church was in Augusta, so they had a building, but I'm not sure why we went to the hotel. Um, maybe it was because it might have been some of my family was there as well, because it was my uncle's church and a lot of my family were um, not, they weren't on staff there, they were just a part of the ministry, so right. um, it was likely that some of them had come, and so we were going to visit, uh, going to see them. And so they had a pool and a, a hot tub and stuff. And so while my mom and those adults were doing what they were doing, all the kids were in the pool, you know, the hot tub and stuff. And that's where I met Mariah in the hot tub. Um, she, I was in the hot tub, and I was in the hot tub doing uh, biblical research. Um <laughs> Of the teenage kind, and um, just I was macking on like every girl that was close to my age, and I was at the pool and in the hot tub. And then Mariah gets in, and I was like, "Oh shoot, hold the phone!" What? I was like, "Hey girl, how you doing?" You know, I did the whole nine, and I don't even remember what happened after that. Uh, there was some other stuff that happened. Um, in the hot tub that I said, but I won't go into that right now. Um, <laughs> uh, we'll save that for another episode. It's, it's too visual to to try to explain with words. Um, but after that, I saw her one other time at the conference. 
uh, and I tried to hold her hand, you know, when they, like, hold your neighbor's hand, we're going to pray. I tried to hold her hand, uh, and but that was it. Like, we didn't speak after that. Years later, come to find out that on her way back, flying to New York, she tells her mom, Mom, this guy that I met is going to be my husband. Her mom was like, ah, okay. She pats her on the leg. Okay, whatever, dear. And uh, sure enough, it her feeling, her intuition was true. Um, I graduated, no, the year, the year before I graduated college, I came up with the concert choir that I was singing with in, co- in college. And everything in me was like, find Mariah. Find Mariah. Because I hadn't really seen her from that day mm-hmm. till, like I would visit New York every, every once in a while, see my family, and I would see her just like around. Right. But never really speak. So she likes she like stayed in your consciousness even though you um, guys were. You know. It wasn't until, it wasn't until, um, right before we moved to Georgia, like right right before I um, no I take that back, right before I started college, because after high school we went we came back to New York because my mom was still living in New York. Uh, she had moved back to New York, and so we came back um, with her, and I stayed the summer with her and her friends in Brooklyn. So while I was in Brooklyn, Mariah and I reconnected, and uh, I was like, yo, this girl is, this girl is what's up, you know what I'm So I was like really trying to get to know her at, at that point. She lived in a dorm uh, downtown Manhattan, close to First Avenue, um, and um, which is close to FDR, which is close to the water. So she was very close to uh, all the all the stuff, the food, the sights. Um, and so one day while I was there in Brooklyn, we hooked up and uh, went for a jog together down at FDR. And um, I was I was smitten from that. I was like, oh, so y'all been jogging together girl. for a long time then? Okay. <laughs> I was like, this girl is fine. Um, and little did I know that her her dating someone outside of the church she was affiliated with was like a no-go. And I didn't think anything of it because, you know, my family went to that church. A lot of them were prominent there. And I was like, why would this be a problem, you know? but I'm basically a member. Basically. <laughs> Um, but it was a huge problem. And so like when her dad found out we were hanging out, so we went from her dorm to her parents' house and, um, like we were together all day. And at some point on the train ride to her parents' house, like we actually looked at each other and there was something there. Mm -hmm. And I think we held, that's when we held hands, like at that point on the way to her, her parents. Um, so she was in... Downtown Manhattan, we had to take the train to the Bronx where her parents lived, the house she grew up in. So we get there. She orders pizza. We're just sitting in the kitchen eating pizza. Her dad comes home. He greets me and everything like this. And he's like, I'm sorry, but you have to leave. As if I'm remembering correctly, um, I had to leave because he needed to talk to the pastor about me being there and her seeing me. Like it was it was it was crazy. 
So I get a call later from her. She was like, my dad was really upset. Da, 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 da. Like, he doesn't want me seeing you because you're not a you're not a, a son of the house. You know, that's oh, that, okay. that that was the talk back yeah. back when yeah. I and I think people still talk like that. Messy church politics. Yeah. Yeah. Um, and so the pastor later called me. And he was like, yeah, I don't let my daughters, any of my daughters date uh, people who aren't sons of the house and all this stuff like this. I was like, are you kidding me? We literally just went for a jog and got pizza. Yeah. We no, There's no talk of dating. Wow. But um, that... Red flags of yeah. of cultish and abusive culture, y'all. Yeah. If, if you... Yeah, if you're someplace tying this into the rest of our podcast mm-hmm. and episodes, if you are someplace where this is ringing true for you, uh, you need to get up and leave. Bounce. You need to run away. Um, and if you're a pastor who engages in this type of control, mm-hmm. you got you got to stop. This that's not healthy. That's not biblical. Um, G- Jesus and, and that's never. What, that's exactly what it is. It's power and control. It's power and control. Power that's and all control. it is. Because Jesus never said make disciples. He, he said go make disciples. He never said go prevent people from me, uh, making mistakes. Yeah. From doing things you don't like. Yeah. Um, if in your mind yeah. your pastor needs to sign off on your relationship decisions, um, yeah, that's unhealthy. No. As we talked about, like that means that means that you're being kept at a stage of that's a right. baby. That's right. And the only mature one Complete in the church is the pastor, and you're not being taught how to understand or seek the Lord or hear the Lord for yourself. Right. I mean, I I, I think I mentioned before there was a time where a friend of mine, um, at the the Citadel, was talking about you know. He was gonna. He was gonna. He had this fascination with Israel, and he mm. had, he had spent some time there. And he was gonna go back, yeah, and serve in the. I forget what it was like the volunteer guard corps or something. Mm-hmm. I don't remember what the what the. But he had done that before. The it's kind of like military. A, yeah, but it's like it's. I don't know. It's for like non citizens, so it's like okay. something between the military and the okay. police. I have no idea. Um, but he was like, I'm. You know, I'm maybe I'll meet you know a nice. Israeli girl, and then and then he said, you know, of course I have to bring her back, and I'll, you know, I have to get the green light from pastor, from from our pastor, and I was like, Lord Jesus. Even at well, even at that time, I was already in my in my deconstruction and and pulling back a little bit from the church there because of stuff Whoa. like that. But that one just hit me. I was like, hold up, bro, like your For- whole life has to be like cleared through through your pastor. Like that's not healthy. That's not biblical. So. He, so this side note is you guys are hearing the the some of the messy because there's I know enough of the yeah. story to know there's more to come. Yeah. There's messy these messy church politics messing with people's It was uh that that let me know right then and there. Uh actually two things. I had decided two things. That uh this church was crazy. One <laughs> <laughs> and two, like it just put her on my list. You know what I'm saying? I'm like, oh no, she's at the top of the list now. Like y'all are going through all this trouble all this much trouble to like keep us apart. Please. 
that um, trigger your knight in shining armor like mode that men have sometimes? Uh, I didn't try to like fight them or fight what they were mandating. Mm-hmm. Uh, as much as I just went into stealth mode and like done <laughs> did everything on the sly, you know what I'm saying? Um, like we kept talking, we kept calling each other. Um, I'm not sure if we saw each other again before I went to college, but we definitely stayed in contact. And we stayed in contact up until my second week as a freshman in college. And the jacked up thing is that, uh, like, we would call and be on the phone, you know, get the calling cards. This was this was back when the calling cards was a thing. Y'all um, old. Bro. <laughs> I'm in Walmart getting calling cards like, oh, this is only, I need a, what, y'all ran out of the law? It was, it was dumb. I can't even believe that was a thing. But, uh, so we were doing that, and then my second week, as a uh, actually, that didn't last too too long. That I I I mixed up part of the story, but my second week as a freshman, uh, she calls my dorm room, and I wasn't even there. My roommate answered the phone, and uh, this dude tells me later that night when I get in, he's like, "Oh yeah, some girl from New York called." <laughs> <laughs> I was like, oh, for real? Did she leave her number? What'd she say? What'd she say? I was excited because I was like, oh, man. I've been wanting to hear from Mariah and see what was going on. Um, He literally said, oh, 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 I'm skipping something very important. And she hears this back. She's going to be like, oh, you totally forgot. Uh, Before, I did see her before I left for for college. So this, this is what happened. This was... The actual time. So the year before I graduated, we went up, and that's when all that stuff happened with the church and the pastor and stuff. The uh, year I graduated, I went up to New York for the summer. Uh, It was just like a couple of weeks. I didn't stay that long. Um, And that was when I saw her right before I went back to college. Mm. And I was completely, I was like, yeah, this is... Yeah, she's, this is it. Yeah. This is it. And she was at my cousin's house for her birthday party, and she was going to go, and then my cousin told her that I was going to be there, and she was like, okay. And then when we saw each other, it was kind of like, wow. Um, and the day before I left, it was a Sunday, I had to, we had to sing, um, and went to the church. I sang, and before I left, they were big on prophecy, there was a prophecy that I got that my wife was in the house, you know, and that's church speak for here at this church. Yeah. And um, she had a dream. I can't even remember how long before my visit uh, that she had this dream, but she had a dream that um, she was in heaven as like Hollywood depicts heaven to be most times, which is a big white room. And God is wearing white, and there's a white chair. And you said, so she had this dream, and she sits in the chair, and she remembers asking God, God, is there anyone here for me? Um, meaning, is there anyone at this church for me? Um, and God said, no. None of these people are who I have for you, but he's the one I have for you. And she looked over, and she said, 
from what she could tell, there was a guy sitting in a chair that looked like Mr. Clean. He had one hoop earring um, uh, in one ear. He was completely bald. And um, he was kind of, she said, buff. Um, I wasn't really buff. You know what I'm saying? <laughs> but um, so this prophecy, they call me up. The pastor point, points me out, calls me up to the front. And then he tells somebody to bring a chair. Hmm. I sit in the chair and everything clicks for her because I was bald. I had a hoop earring. Uh, and at that point, I was probably like, I'm 182 now. I was probably like 197. And you had a tight shirt, right? Uh, actually, <laughs> no, I did have a tight shirt on under a black jacket. It was a white shirt and I had a black jacket. Look. I look buff because the pads, the shoulders was out. You know what I'm saying? And so I'm sitting there. She goes, oh, my God. He's the one that's in my dreams. And so as I'm at the prophecy is finished and as I'm leaving, I had to rush back out, get back downtown, meet up with the the choir. And we had to catch our plane and stuff. Uh, She passes me her number. And so uh, I didn't know this because I left. But she also got a prophecy right after I left. And uh, it was all stuff like, you know, it was all to hype her up and the crowd up and everything. And, it, and there was something said about her getting married, too, um, as well. Um, so that's when we started talking again. And it wasn't literally two, two, three weeks later that she calls my roommate and leaves this message. So I get there. So now we're back to me being in college. So I get back to the room. My, my roommate goes... So you're, you're at what age at this point? 20, I'm, 20 21? Or are you still a freshman in college? Right? Freshman in college. So I was... 18, 19? Yes, 19. 19 okay. years old. So this was, what, five years from from this, this yes. faithful meeting at the hot tub? In the hot tub. Where the she hot tub the way meeting. back and said, hey, this is my yes. husband. You guys have a very interesting story yes. because it's very, like sporadic yes and and spread out across yeah. states across mm-hmm. time like and you've got the whole church dynamic they're yeah. kind of kind of trying to muck up the works and you guys having to kind of work through and around that yep but at the same time like god seems to be speaking but then you know, the spiritual authorities in your mm-hmm. life are saying something else and like, they were trying to put her with together with someone else there like they were trying to do it oh yeah it church, wasn't churches, something yeah it wasn't like that love arranged marriages yeah so uh, she called my roommate and, and said, just leave him a message and let him know that we can't talk anymore, that I have to break up with him. <laughs> Jeez. I was like, what? What did she say? He said, yeah, man. That's what she said. I'm just, I'm just giving you the message. She said, y'all have to break up. So I literally, not it was minutes after I got back to the room, heard the message, I walked out. Yeah. And it just so happened to be, um, no, no, no. I, I, I did go out, but I went downstairs to the common area in, in our dorm. I played pool and I sulked for a little bit. And then I came uh, back up to my dorm room. He left and I just got back in bed. He came back around mm, 9.30. Yeah, around 9, 9.30. And um, this was still when it was just getting dark around 9.45. Uh, so he was like, hey, man, this is freshman orientation week. 
let's go. They're going to have food and stuff like that. I was like, food? Okay. Because we ate all hours of the night <laughs> when I was, in, yep. I was in college. So I was like, all right, let's go. And it was free food, so I didn't have to pay. So as I'm out there with him, uh, I meet this, this dude that we're still friends today. And uh, he's this little, he's, <laughs> I don't even know how to describe him, but he's a short dude. He was skinny back then, wore glasses, but he had all the clothes. Like this white kid, he had all of the, like he had Deion Sanders, he had everything. Like mm-hmm. all of the clothes that were, um, uh, uh, that were going off back then. Mm-hmm. This boy was dead. And all the black girls liked him for like some reason. He he was the man. So like we became fast friends real, real quick. So we're walking around with him. I'm walking around with him, and he's got this friend, this girl named Michelle. They went to high school together, and we're kind of hanging out. As we're walking the streets, because the school I was at had a bunch of, the campus was really really big. I see this girl, and I've started like trying to put myself in places where she was. And long story short, we finally meet and um, we eventually become engaged. Because I was like, all right, Mariah's no longer in the picture. They put a kibosh on that. There's no way that's happening. So I figured, let's, I should just move on. Um, hey, you're, you know, you're out of town. I'm in Georgia. Right, so. Yeah. Not a lot of opportunity for you to re- try and rectify right. that. I couldn't sneak. I couldn't sneak, like, to go visit Mariah from Georgia. Um, I was, like, getting up at 10 o'clock for free food <laughs> at, at night. For free. <laughs> I wasn't sneaking anywhere. Uh, so this girl and I got engaged. And when I finally realized that I was actually going back to New York, like, I was in school for music and... Um, I knew I wanted a career in music, and if I wanted to do anything in music, I needed to go back to New York. And so at the time, I had an uncle who was um, who was uh, a Grammy Award-winning songwriter, producer. And so I reached out to him. I was like, hey, I'm, I'm thinking about coming up. If I do, like, can, I, can you show me the ropes? Can I work in your studio as an intern, whatever? He was like, absolutely. Just let me know when you're coming, and... We'll get it set up. So I was supposed to grad. I graduated in '98. In '97, um, I went back to New York. Like right before, I, I want to. I'm trying to remember everything. Was it cold? It was cold. So it must have been October, November of '97 that I went back to visit. And around this time, I I was serious about going back to New York. And the girl I was engaged to didn't want me to do that. She was like. If you're going to New York, I don't want to marry you because I don't want to go to, you know, because I had told her about my family and the church and everything. She was like, I don't want to be a part of no crazy church. But if you're going back, uh, I don't want to marry you. I think you should just become a teacher and just let's just settle down and do some do some normal stuff. I was like, no, I this is this is what I got to do. So she gave me back the ring. She just was like, here, I don't want to marry you. So I was like, good grief. Um, at the time, around that time, my family was working on an album with this uncle. So I, they flew me up and, uh, I got a chance to 
meet him and he was like, stay with me. So I stayed with him and he was like, look, if you're certain about coming up, you can stay with me when you get here and I'll set you up at the studio and you can work at the studio. I was like, bet it is happening. Don't even, you know, don't even, don't even think about anybody else. Yeah. I'm coming. Yeah. So three months later, he dies. And I was like, ah, oh, what am I, now what am I going to do? What? Right. And so uh, I I called, actually, I I reached out to um, some of his folks that were real, very close to him and worked at the studio. And I was like, hey, I'm um, I'm Keith's nephew. Uh, he had promised me this job and this internship after I gra- graduated college. I was wondering if it's still something that could happen. They were like, absolutely. So right after I uh, literally, t- a week after I graduated, took the bus up to New York, brought all my stuff um, up to New York, stayed with one of my uncles and one of my other uncles and was working at the studio down in Manhattan. And I knew on the bus ride up, something something in the back of my mind was like, if you go to New York, you're going to marry Mariah. Hmm. Like, because at the time, I was kind of like, what if this thing with me and this other girl, you know, if we if we reconcile, you know what I'm saying? Like, I was thinking that, but something... In the back of my mind, when I got on that bus, was like, "You go to if you go to New York, you're marrying Mariah." Like mm-hmm. it was like it was like inevitable that that was what my future was going to be. Right, right. And I couldn't even tell you why, because like I hadn't seen her or spoken to her. Uh, actually, now I'm lying because I'm mixing the story up. This this is where the calling cards come in. Hey friends, it's Jesse from the Faith Chair team, and I wanted to let you know something that you might not know. You are why we do what we do. You are also the ones who make a Faith Chair podcast reach all around the world. If you're enjoying this conversation and enjoyed other episodes of the podcast, we want to encourage you to like, subscribe, follow, and most of all, share with those around you so that we can reach as many people, as many hearts, and change as many lives as we can with these ongoing conversations about the questions that arise at the intersection of faith and culture. So not long after I got the ring back from that girl, I don't even know how we hooked up again, Mariah and I. I couldn't even tell you. But uh, as I was preparing for that trip to New York, that was when and we must have spent like $400 in calling cards. Oh, my God. Just up. <laughs> you you hang up. No, you hang up. We did that. Well, I'm hanging up because I'm out of minutes. We, <laughs> let's just let our minutes run out. And I'm sorry for jumping around. I'm, I haven't told this story in, gosh, I don't know how long. I think it's, it's a, well, I think there's a couple of things. I mean, one... I think your guys' story, you know, is is a great reminder for people who are young and yeah. feel like there's like, I mean, getting married is is I mean, it, it's one of the reasons I hate that uh, that one wedding song, you know, meet me at the altar. Oh, because that line, I, we ain't getting no younger. We might yeah. as well do this. I'm yeah. like, that's a terrible reason to get yeah. married. 
Yeah. And it's also a terrible reason, like, there's nothing written that says <laughs> that you're supposed to find your love or your soulmate like, That's right. by 23. That's right. Like, And there's so much in the church where they, they push they that. They push it. They push the marriage. And then once you're married, they push the kids. And they're like, there's nothing in yeah. scripture. There's nothing in our, Shoot, 19. our natural development. There's nothing in our social norms that, that, that says that anything has, to, anything has to happen by right. a certain time. So the fact that you guys had, had all these, these fits and starts yeah. and then like... You know, you were almost going to get married to somebody else. Yeah. And yeah. the other thing I was going to say is, you know, that's part of why the reason we tell young people, like, yeah. don't commit yourself before you know yourself. Right. Because if you get... That's it, very that's good. The, and not saying that it can't happen, mm-hmm. but there is a danger when you get married young if you don't know what both of you are really, like, passionate about or called yeah. to. Yeah. That one day, and I think this happens to a lot of couples, you wake up and you realize... What the heck did you, I do? Like, you're going yeah. this direction, and they're going that direction. Right. And sometimes people get stuck where they're like, we're just going to make it work because now we have kids right. and for the sake of the kid. But right. it's not a happy marriage. It's not a right. joyful marriage. It's not a, a fulfilling uh, a relationship and right. covenant like it's supposed to be. So, like, that was important. Like, even though you, you know, for for, for in whatever way nature yeah. loved this girl to the yeah. point where you guys were willing to get married, you recognize we're going two different directions. Yeah. And you guys were wise enough in that moment mm-hmm. to put a kibosh on the whole thing yeah. and realize there's no way because if we get married and I force you to come to New York, you're going to mm-hmm. hate it. Or if you force me to stay in Georgia and settle for less than I dreamed of, I'm going to yeah. hate it. Yeah. So, like, yep. this is clearly not meant to be. That was exactly the conversation. That's a, that's a yeah. That was a wise moment that a lot of people don't make yeah. because we've been and we'll talk about this more this season i think this this whole idea of falling in love yeah. and we make we make the feelings yeah. the emotions of the relationship primary mm-hmm. and and we ignore th- and that's what i mean unfortunately the idea of like being unequally yoked has been dumbed down to just believing in jesus right and it's so much more than that unequally yoked is your wife is called to be a missionary and you're called to be a local church pastor that's, that ain't going to work that's the literal <laughs> translation it's a con- it's Yoked in a contract where the two in the contract have opposite interests. Yeah. You have completely opposite right. interests. Right. And and I, I wish, that's why I wish uh, uh, people who call themselves Bible scholars uh, would actually uh, make a Bible for dummies. <laughs> because... Because we that would be awesome. We the don't Bible freaking for dummies, right? Because the, the we BFD don't really understand. That's funny. <laughs> BFB, BFD, Bible uh, for dummies. Because you read that, that and you just—I've heard people just say that and try to explain it. But the actual the lit the transliteration is bound to someone with opposite interests. Right. They're 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 going in a, another direction, which which is also which also harkens to. Um, uh, how can two walk together unless they agree? Yeah, like that. Yeah. It's it's the same. It's yeah. the same principle. And she and I had we were going in two different directions. And you know, as Mariah and I have grown in our marriage, and I've heard this. I've heard other people talk about this. We change. Like people change. Mm-hmm. And so, like, I am definitely not the person I was when we first got married or the person I was 10 years ago. And same with her. And navigating that change, 
has been difficult because I don't respond the way that I used to to things. She doesn't respond the way she used to to things. And when you hold someone to that response, to that past response, then you keep them from from progressing. Right. And vice versa. Yeah. We can't you can't freeze a relationship right. in time. Right. And just be like, this is how you always have to be. Right. It doesn't, yeah. Definitely. You gotta be. you gotta yeah. allow people to I mean, that's the natural progression of life. People people change. And uh the cool thing is now that we I know more what I want and what I'm supposed to do and because we've been together as long as we have, she's fine with the direction that I'm going. Mm-hmm. You know what I'm saying? Because it's we have we we know that we are in each other's corner. We have each other's back, and it was it's not something like um, that. If I had known this from the from day one, I'm not sure. If I had known this about myself from day one, I'm not sure if we would have gotten married. Um, because I feel like I might have been. I don't know. I might have been too much. For someone, if I was the kind of person then that I am now, mm. I might have been too much for somebody and I might have had just had to wait until I like got everything that I was wanting to <laughs> Like as far as my, my career is concerned, right. um, like I think about it now, I'm like, man, when Mariah went to stay in New York um, just this past year with her mom for a couple months, I was up late just in the studio. Yeah. Just working. I don't do that when she's when mm-hmm. she's home, and so um, I would have I would have I would have definitely done that. But now that we're like our our lives are moving in, in a whole other direction, our our kids are about to move out, and she's like, "Hey, babe, I know you want to get this music thing. Then why don't you go work on that? Why don't you you know what I'm saying?" So as we're growing, um, we're understanding. The changes that are taking place in in each other's lives. Right. Um, I know what she wants. Like I know what her dreams are. She knows what my dreams are, and I'm for her dreams, and she's for mine. Yeah. So uh, I'm glad. And the key that is, took you guys this are able to accomplish that together. Yes. You know, because yes. there's a lot of different types of relations. Like people, people who are called to ministry doesn't mean that you have to marry someone called to ministry. That's right. But it has to be somebody who can exist within the world of your ministry. And there's a lot of couples like that where one person works in the marketplace That's right. or stays at home, mm-hmm. you know, whatever it might be. But it's all supportive. And you, it's I, not in conflict. You got to know that from the beginning. I'm glad you brought that up because of, about the other girl, my ex-fiance. Um, and, and we're friends. She's married. They have beautiful kids. Um, but it probably would have been something that we would have both regretted. You know what I'm saying? Because what she saw is not what what I saw. Yeah, yeah. And we had that conversation, um, albeit brief, we had it. And it was enough for us both to be like, all right. Like, I really didn't, I was upset that her response was, like, she literally took the ring off and just put it in my hand. Like, I was upset because that happened. Yeah. But at the same time, I was like, man, this is probably a good thing. Because I was probably about to get into something that, you know, wouldn't have. Like, my whole, our whole marriage, mine and Mariah's marriage, this child has let me do music. Like, the whole time. You know what I'm saying? <laughs> when it was good and when it was bad, she she let me do music this whole time. And 
not saying anything bad about this other person. It's just that that was not what she saw when she saw husband. Yeah. When she saw father That's not two what kids. she wanted. That's yeah. not what she wanted. And so... Um, she wanted back then who you are. Right, now. right, like, right, right, right. I, I have these passions. I have these right. things I want to pursue. I can't be that right now. Right. Um, and so... Uh, so you moved back to New get York. Get back to New York. And we messed around the whole idea of actually becoming a couple because I was trying to um, assimilate as best as I could into this new culture. I wanted them to trust that they could allow one of their daughters, one of their church daughters, to be with an outsider, I guess. I, yeah. I That's what I was. I was an outsider. Dirty Gentile. I was a Gentile. <laughs> I was unclean. Samaritan. <laughs> and um, and it it came to a head where uh, one day we were we were just although we were young adults by this time I was twenty twenty one. Uh, no, no. I was twenty three. I was twenty three after graduate. Yeah. I was 23, and she was 24. Um, oh, so she was the older one. She's older. So yeah. way back in the hot tub, you were 13. Yes. She was, okay. I was spitting game to the older to the older girls. So she looked at scrawny, awkward, yes! 13-year-old you and was like, I'm going to marry that guy. She was wow. Like, there must have been something in the game I was spitting in, sight. in, the, in that hot tub. You your game. You can drop that right now. I already know where I would correct that one. The Holy Spirit gave her spit- eyes to see in that moment. <laughs> she saw how handsome her you'd spiritual be eye was open. <laughs> Holy Spirit was like, "Now, um, she was in the spirit on Lord's Day. It was I couldn't. I could have just sat there and yep. done nothing. But uh, I would have helped yourself, actually. right? Probably. <laughs> um, she, we were playing like tag. Don't you know how you play tag when you like somebody? You just tap them and you might be like. <laughs> Uh, I ran out the, like, it wasn't me type of thing. I ran out of the church, and I was standing outside, and she comes up behind me seconds later, and she goes, I just want you to know that while you're playing games, I'm in love with you, and there's nothing you could do about it. Wow. Like, and then she walked away, and I was like, dang it. I'm messing with this girl. I got got to stop, because, like, really, I was afraid of what the backlash Mm-hmm. was going to be because um, this church was like it's, it was notorious for like like the it was a cult for lack of a better term so I was trying not to be on any of the the leadership's radar you know what I'm saying like I didn't I didn't I didn't want any part of that so that was re- my real hesitation um but after she said that, I was like, what am I? I'm a grown man. What am I doing? You know what I'm saying? And, and so uh, we started dating. I was sneaking out of my uncle's apartment, taking the train to, from the Bronx to Brooklyn at 1 o'clock in the morning, like almost every night, and nobody ever knew. Nobody ever found out. Uh, plus, I'm a grown man. You don't I tell was a grown man what to do. I was going now. I was I leaving. I was just nobody. leaving. Shoot. I was grown, so I didn't tell nobody. Shoot. So, <laughs> so um, yeah, almost every night. And then um, 
my cousin started dating this girl who was from Linden, Washington. She moved out to New York, and we started working. She, I met her. I can't remember how I met her. Um, but she wanted to get involved in music, and so I introduced her to the folks I was working with at the studio. She started interning over there, and I told her about my cousin, and they started dating, and once they started dating, we would do double dates. Mm-hmm. And so this is ramping up to the jacked up part of how we got married. Um, I was a person who, and all of this, all, all this story that I'm telling, I did not have a good relationship with the Lord. I grew up in church, didn't have a good relationship with the Lord. Um, I was not a disciplined person and I was not a teachable person. Like, I really felt like you you can keep your words to yourself because I don't want to hear them. Yeah. I got this. You know right. what I'm I found myself in a lot of situations that I didn't need to be in. Um, and one of those situations was one particular night we went on a double date with my cousin, his girlfriend, and we went to see Sleepy Hollow. I don't know if you remember that movie. Um, and I don't like horror movies. Like, I don't I do not do horror movies. Just give me a good action movie. But my wife loves horror movies. And at the time we were dating, I didn't know this. I didn't know Sleepy Hollow. I was like, all right, double date, whatever, we'll go. So I'm sitting there watching the movie, and she's, like, hiding her face in my arm on the scary parts. And I go, I, like, I pushed her. I, I pushed her off me. <laughs> and, like, told her, I was like, hey, look at the screen. Like, I was like. She's the opposite of what guys usually do when they right. take a girl to a I movie. was totally, because I was annoyed. exactly what you should have been wanting, but you were like, get off me right. and watch, watch the movie. Because I was annoyed that we were at a horror movie. That she now was not looking at. Yeah. And um, I'm only saying it like that because that was the mind frame I was in at, yeah. at that point in time. I was like, that's dumb. I just spent money on a movie that you're not even watching. Look no at the movie. how we started this podcast. <laughs> how men look at things totally differently than women do. Because the guy is like, hold up, I spent money on this. And the woman is just like, I just want to spend time with you. You didn't have to spend no money. Man, that's exhibit A for you in relationship, folks. Bro. Gentlemen, I, she does not care about what money you nope, spent. It nope, is about nope, nope. The spending time. time with you spending and you time. being focused on her. I literally pushed that joker off of me. And I was like, look at the screen. And she looked at me. This girl's from the Bronx. She grew up, she was born and raised in the Bronx. Uh, she, uh, remember how in, in 2020, and I think it was episode, in, in season two, I mentioned that I code switched and, mm-hmm. and, uh, well, she code switched hard. She thought she was Puerto Rican. <laughs> this Jewish girl from the Bronx thought she was Puerto Rican. And, uh, she looked at me, got up and left. I was like, oh no, what did I do? So, uh, 
my cousin. And now she's attacked your, your like status, right. your pride. Now I'm like, no, she didn't. So, uh, and this wasn't the first time she she had walked away from me because I I made him I made a mistake once we were dating. She was at the studio, I was on break, and uh, we got into a small tiff about something. And it wasn't it wasn't even big. Like it like I it was small. It was for real small. But like I got slightly perturbed and I called her my ex fiance's name. And she got mad. She was like on accident or on accident. On accident. Cause it was just that situation, just a situation and I wasn't long out of that relationship. Yeah. So I was like, I'm sorry, I'm sorry, I'm sorry, I'm sorry, I'm sorry. She's like, just don't let it happen again. Five minutes later. Another situation comes up, and I and I call her that name again, and she gets up and walks off, and my uh, cousin's girlfriend was like, "You better go, you better go chase her and, and apologize. Let her know you're sorry." And so I profusely apologized, and so I was her getting up wasn't when she, we were at the movie theater. It wasn't new. I wasn't surprised by it, but I was upset. I was like, yeah. "Come on, it's a movie." Let's sit here. So she got up and I sat there for a second. And my cousin and his girlfriend were like, yo, you better go see if she's all right. This joker was flagging a cab outside. She was leaving. She wasn't just going out to get some fresh air. She was leaving. So I was like, why? She's like, I'm not talking to you, but you can get in the cab. So we got in the cab and went back to her dorm room. Um, And uh, that night, I... I was so distraught, and uh, I was like, man, I'm sorry, whatever, whatever I have to do to get back into your good graces, I'll do. And um, we messed around and messed around and got pregnant that night. And I knew that was going to be uh, a bad thing, especially at this church we were at. Um, I called my parents, and they were like, "Oh my God, we're so we're gonna have a grandson! Oh, oh we're gonna have a grandbaby! Oh my God!" That I thought they were not gonna take it as well as they did. Yeah. I was just, I was like, "Oh my God, thanks!" Like these are people that beat the brakes off of me growing up, but they were like, "Oh my God!" I was like, "Wow!" But her parents were horrified. They were angry with me. They were up, they were disappointed, upset with her, and um, I was pretty much kicked out of the church. Um, this was back in the day when the song lyrics had to be put on the acetate machine and uh, projected onto the screen. So Mariah was in charge of that at this church. When they found out she was pregnant, they took her off uh, oh song song sheet duty yes. and sat her in the back you of the were church. Unclean. She was completely unclean. And so we went through all the hell um with the with the leadership there and uh they tried to they tried their best to break us up um but also force me to marry her sort of sort of thing like um almost like a reverse psychology, mm-hmm. but they didn't know that we wanted, they were trying to keep us, they were trying to keep us apart, but we were trying to like do the, we were trying to do the right thing, mm-hmm. but they were trying to keep us apart. And 
I feel like um, had they not done that, everything would have been fine. I don't think we would have gotten pregnant before we got married. Um, but that's neither here, here nor there. Uh, but they did try their hardest to separate us and also force us to get married. And so at the end of the day, I was like, no, I'm not leaving her. We're going we're gonna to stay together. We're going to get married. She's going to keep the baby, and we're going we're gonna to do this. And she felt the same way. And so um, we, we wound up getting married there at the church. Her father was supposed to give her away. But he left the church a few months prior to all of this stuff happening. And it was a bad leave. So um, he went from being the number two guy to now Black on... Ball. Right, completely. Yeah. He was on that list. If you yeah. see this guy, call the police. Not not really, but um, they didn't want him back on the premises. That he didn't yeah. want to be on the premises. Right. So... Um, her father was supposed to give her away, and the pastor wanted, because he was the officiant over everything, um, I had to give him the plans for and schedule for the wedding. He wanted it on Wednesday. I gave it to the person he told me to give it to on Wednesday night. He didn't get it until Friday night. The wedding was on Saturday. So he calls me Saturday morning, and he's cussing me out. He was like, I didn't get these effing plans until last night, like 10 o'clock last night. How do you expect me to be ready for a wedding? You were supposed to give it to me on Wednesday. I was like, I did. He was like, yeah, but I'm, I, I don't have enough time. And you want her father to give her away? I'm not going anywhere where he is. The wedding was supposed to be at their house because that's where Mariah wanted it. He was like, I'm not going anywhere where he is. If he if he wants to walk her, he's got to come here to the church, and walk her walk her down the aisle himself. And if you guys aren't here at the church by twelve o'clock in the afternoon, you're not getting married. And then he hangs up the phone. I was like, what the heck? So I called Mariah and told her everything. She's crying. Her mom's crying. It's hysterical. Her father's like, look. And I told him I was like, look, I'm coming up, because they lived about an hour north from the Bronx. Like I'm coming up. Forget this. I'm not going to the church. Uh, we could just get married at the courthouse. He was like, if you do that, you do realize you will also be on the list. And a lot of your family go there. You don't, you don't really want to do that, do you? I was like, of course I don't. But I don't want to like upset you guys. I don't want to upset mom. And, all. and you should be able to walk your daughter down the aisle. He's like, I mean, I know. We can do this. We can do that another time. But right now, you guys need to... To, to handle this. And so uh, I called the pastor back. I was like, all right, we'll be there. And he had one of the elders walk Mariah down Jeez. the aisle. One last power play. Bro. Right? It's like one last power play. It was... One last time. So wrapping it up, we, we've, we got... The day wound up being beautiful, despite all the crap that happened. The day wound up being beautiful... And she was eight months pregnant, walking down the aisle. We had a dress custom made. One of the ladies in the church um, custom made a dress for her. It was a beautiful dress. And um, my parents came uh, to the reception. Her parents, it was a small reception, but it was really nice. And um, 
the first seven years were were <laughs> the first year was amazing. Um, but after that, uh, that's when we started to see each other's true. I started to show her who right, I really right, was. Right. She started right. to show me who she really was. And I, was you, like, I mean, you guys had like a world. With, you, had yeah. a, you guys were united because you had this yeah. common photo fight. Yeah. Right? So you were focused on that. And then you get married. Yeah. Two, what, a month and a half, two months later, you yeah. have a, a baby. Yep. So then you're all focused on that. Yep. Right. And then that baby grows up a little bit, and and now we're you start to be able to look. You finally uh-huh. get to be able to actually look at each other and be like, mm-hmm. "Hold up!" <laughs> Not to mention all the baggage I was bringing, all the baggage she was bringing. Mm. Again, I told you I didn't. I grew up in church, but I did not have a relationship with the Lord, a growing relationship with the Lord. I was not disciplined, and I wasn't teachable. Um, and that's a perfect storm for. Yeah. All kinds of stuff. Yeah. Um, I was addicted to porn while we were dating, uh, before we were dating, while we were dating, and after we got married. And and I had told her about it when we were dating. And at the time, she didn't care. She was like, isn't that what guys do? Right. You know what I'm saying? Um, but it became a huge problem uh, once we got married because now... It was taking me from magazines to reality, you know. And um, I started, a year after we got married, I started um, gigging and traveling. Um, and literally became a professional musician, like, almost immediately after after we got married. And um, that life, with, that, with those three ingredients that I told you about, does not uh, make good... Bedfellows. Mm. I was, I, I was, um, uh, long story short, I cheated and I shared the story before. I cheated on Mariah the first five years of our marriage. And she knew something was going on, but because after that second, third year, like we started to get into a rhythm. Uh, started figuring each other out. I mean, I knew if I made her mad, it was going to be a wrap. And she knew if uh, um, that I was going to fight back. Right. Like, and neither one of us enjoyed and, that. And again, and then now you're, you know, yeah. she went from that to being on the road a lot. Yeah. So again, like, you guys aren't really... You guys we weren't ne- really... You guys never really had a chance to, like, lay actual relationship no. foundation. And, no. And, Not uh, without help. We were doing it... With no one in our corner. Mm-hmm. I mean, our families were like, we love you guys. You, you know what I'm saying? But nobody was there like, hey, let me, let me, let me, let me go through life with you guys as, as a couple. Mm-hmm. Um, and that didn't come until 2010, 2011, uh, up 2008 and on. Because mm-hmm. um, that, that was after I... Uh, I told Mariah asked me if I had cheated, if I had ever cheated on her, and and that whole story I won't go into it because we talked about it um, on episodes past. But from two thousand eight on, that was when we started to have people in our lives that were like caring about us enough to pour into us, mm. and that was the lifesaver. That was the marriage saver. Um, it went from us being an example that we were shown was um, 
back to back because you don't want to be back to back in a relationship all the time. Like you can watch each other's back, but at some point you have to be face to face. You know what I'm saying? And we weren't face to face for those beginning uh, right. years. Yeah, when you're fighting an enemy, yeah. you're back to back, right? swords drawn like it was it, it, it was bad and now there's nothing like we were taught that she is not my enemy and I'm not her enemy the enemy is the enemy mm-hmm. and he's the one we need to be looking out for um, and uh, yeah it was hard for so long um, until it wasn't and it wasn't because we started we got help yeah. And and not necessarily professional help, just we had relationship. We right. had people that had been there, done that, and that had matured from it, and that were willing to share with us their journey. Yeah. And um, it's been, shoot, we've been married 20, um, going on 22 years now, and, man, it's, it's awesome. It's awesome. I can't. And it's getting better and better as the kids get older and closer to moving out. Like, I love them. <laughs> I love them. But uh, these jokers, man, uh, the nights that they're all gone, like Seda's with her friends and Evan's at work and mm-hmm. now Ian's in Boston, um, we just, like, chill on the couch and do whatever we want to do. Yeah. We can say whatever we want to say. There ain't no kids around to be like, <gasps> what are you guys? Nobody's like, ew. That's great. We are just here. You know what yeah, I mean? Yeah. Um, well, that's gonna be awesome. a, that's gonna be a whole. That's another season because then it's like yeah. all we have to do is look at each other. Yeah. And now that's a whole another transition. You know, it's uh, it's interesting. You know, I think one of the things people f- miss again with kind of the focus on emotions. Yeah. Around love and marriage, and you know, as long as we love each other, things yeah. are gonna work out, and that kind of stuff is just like discipleship. Is is not a Christian word, right? Discipleship isn't isn't a religious word. Like discipleship is really a description of of how life works. Yeah. Like in everything that you do, someone you need someone there to kind of show you how to do it. That's, that's right. And that's what discipleship. You, you have people who disciple you in walking and talking and writing and school is discipleship you're being discipled in how to do certain things so that you can be successful in the world if you want to be a musician somebody has to disciple you and this is how you do it even the the best musicians self-taught musicians people people like uh like bobby yeah watch videos yeah like yeah he teaches himself and he practices himself but he has to get the inspiration for a certain technique from somebody else you you're an avid you know, you know, uh, learner of, of the bass, even though you're one of the best b- bass players, you know, <laughs> I know you're still practicing all the time. You have somebody all the time. teaching you. And the same is true for marriage and relationships. Yeah. And I think that that's, that's so important. It's increasingly important mm-hmm. as a larger and larger each generation really since what probably the 40s and 50s. Yeah. Has each generation has increased, you have an increasing percentage of kids who are growing up 
without that kind of quote unquote right. ideal, right. even though before then it didn't mean the, the marriages were good, but right. you typically had a mom and a dad, right? That was, you know, 98% of, of family units, right? That's not true anymore. Mm-hmm. And so, you know, you people like me who grew up with both parents, but didn't have a good model of, mm-hmm. of a healthy marriage, even with those two. Um, there's so many people who are stepping into adulthood, into relationships, into marriage, having having no one and never having been seen or taught yeah. what a healthy marriage looks like. Yeah. And and so we haven't been discipled. We don't know how. We don't even have anything to emulate. We don't have a quote That's unquote right. There's no example. rabbi. That's we don't right. have yeah. And 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 like you said, like you guys were struggling on your own until someone came in yeah. and started to disciple you. Yeah. Like, this is how mm-hmm. you can be successful in mm-hmm. marriage. This is mm-hmm. what the scripture shows us. This mm-hmm. is what the practical things, mm-hmm. the day-to-day, the little things you would never even think mm-hmm. of were going to be an issue. You know? and, and That's so good. I, I'm you glad you brought up the music that. thing because I thought about that right when you started talking about it. I was like, man, that's such a great analogy. Um, and I've often said, I'm not even sure if I mentioned this to you. Um, I used to say... I wanna it was probably around that time, around 2008, 2009, once I started realizing um what it takes to have a great marriage. It it's I, I used to say it was like having um uh, fine silverware. You have your tea set that's it's really nice. Well it doesn't stay shiny if you leave it on the mm. on the counter. You have to polish it because tarnish will set in and if you don't keep that thing polished it's not going to be shiny but the same for or like the base like a formal dinner like right we're getting people get married like going to a formal dinner you're sitting there like what are these five forks for you have like you know their forks you kind of know what they're you but you don't know the specific no one's taught you the etiquette nobody's taught you this is how this works and if you want to know how it works you have to work you have to work it's you can't just be like oh let me let me figure because if you try to figure it out, somebody's going to correct you. Yeah, like that's the wrong fork. Oh, it is, and you might get embarrassed. Mm-hmm. So why not go and find out how to do this? Or I, I love the base, but I could say, and this is what I thought. This is exactly what I thought of when you started talking about it. I could say I'm in love with the base, but never practice. Right. How does that love translate? Mm-hmm. Me holding it. Like right. me buying the newest base that comes out, mm-hmm. me getting nice cases for that base. Yeah. No, the love for the base translates into me learning how to play right. Right. it and then playing it well. Right. Loving or falling in love with someone does not translate into holding their hand or kissing them or I got them a car that they wanted. I got them the, the shoes that they like. No. Mm. It translates into how willing are you to work at that relationship to right, be better right, right. at Which being requires a somebody to coach you. You know, you need. It's, coaching. It's, I think I saw I saw a, a meme actually just the other day about this, and I think it's something to the effect of like, um, "I'll do better" is, is yeah. the number one relationship lie. And it's like, and that's true, because like, yeah, I mean, you know, every time you get into a fight, <laughs> right, you have right. to apologize. Like, I'm gonna be better, but. Especially for men, but this goes for for spouses in yeah. general. If you're listening, like what we try to do is, and we have we love the person, yeah. and we have a full intention of being better. Yeah. But if there's no outside influence and force helping you change who you are, then your intention to be better means Yee! nothing. 
Uh, I mean, there's there's the the other saying that is like we're we're none of us can change ourselves. Yeah. Like we don't have enough willpower to break our own, yeah. our own cycles. Some something else has to come and help us be able to do that. Something else has to come interrupt those uh, those cycles and yeah. give us the ability or the strength or the knowledge, the skills to to move yeah. out of that cycle. And and I think that that's so important. Is that there's so many of us in relationships and we want to be better and we yeah. communicate that our, to our spouse all the time. And it's not a question of love. It's a question. I think it's really it's really a question of like humility. Do you love the person enough to sa- make the sacrifice? That's say, it. I don't know how to do this. Let me That's go and get help. And like That's you said, it. in the body of Christ, it doesn't even outside the body of Christ, mm-hmm. it doesn't need to be professional help right. in, unless the issues rise to the level of like right. we need some prof- right. professional help on this. Right. But most of it is just like fine couples who have a a marriage or a relationship that, that you, you want to emulate, emulate That's and right. then and then to get around them and yeah. pick their brain and yeah. spend time with them, observe how they interact with each other and learn. That's mm-hmm. what discipleship is. Mm-hmm. Rabbi, what the disciples call Jesus, yeah. just means teacher. Mm-hmm. So we all, you know, kindergarten through 12th grade, we yeah. all had a bunch of rabbis. That's right. Right? Um, and you need a, you need rabbis for your marriage. Yeah. Like you need rabbis for relationship. You need rabbis for love because, especially because the world Give such a false picture of it all. Their was, definition was, is was, no watching, work. Yeah, was, you can love them, but and there's no work involved. Yeah, it's just that uh, I now I'm I'm going to change my example from the the stainless steel tea set to music to bass because it's more relevant. Yeah, um, yeah. If you're not willing to work at it, it's it's not love. It's, if you love me, you will obey my commandments. Why did Jesus say that? Because he knew. Our love is meaningless unless That's we're right. willing to put in the work. We gotta put in the work. We gotta put in the work. So you, you, and there's no, there's no marriage that requires no work. That's right. You know, it, it's kind of like, uh, it's kind of like when people say, which isn't always true. I don't want to make this a doctrinal belief because I think it's not always true. <laughs> but there is some truth to it in that. If if all of your life is just going super easy and you're just yeah. breezing through it, in all likelihood, there's some area where you're not obeying God. That's you're right. Not dealing with any conflict. That's 100. percent And as right. we talked about many times on the podcast, suffering yeah. is one of the ways that God develops our faith. Mm-hmm. And so if you're just mm-hmm. everything's cool and Gucci and everything's fine, yeah. and you're just loving life and body yeah. down, it's all unicorns and and roses and, and, and Krispy Kreme frosting. Mm. <laughs> That's a new one I'm throwing oh. in there. Um, then, then in all likelihood, there's some some area where you're not being obedient to God. That's right. The same is true. Like, I know couples are like, we never fight. But then you find out they don't spend any time together. They're, they that. don't they don't talk about any that. meaningful issues. That's and right. So what they're actually doing is they're avoiding anything that could cause conflict uh-huh. in order to create a false uh-huh. sense of peace and it's happiness. It's Instagram life. It's filtered. And in reality, on the life. inside, they're, they're internalizing all yeah. stuff. And those... That always blows up at some yeah. point. Yeah. Like, and, and I talked about last time, and like you said, like you grow to this place where, no, we don't fight very often. Yeah. And when we do fight, it's about very small things. And usually it's because one of the both of us is is tired, overexerted, yeah. or whatever. It's almost never like an actual conflict or argument. It's not nothing right? like it used to and be, so we, for yeah, sure. We get to live in a considerable level of peace and mm-hmm. joy and happiness and fulfillment and enjoyment yeah. of each other. But that came with work. That's right. 
And and I think that that's that's such an important thing. I mean, in your guys' story, I mean, you guys had to work. I mean, you guys oh. had so many hurdles. You guys had so many opportunities where you could have just said quit. That's right. That's right. I mean, you guys did wow. for wow. a second, actually. I mean, at one point, wow. right, Mo, the, the pressure and the, uh-huh. the command, you know, shut it down for a little while. Mm-hmm. It almost sent you off on That's the right. wrong life path. I mean, That's you right. see how these, you know, these decisions and... And some of the ways that we exert power and control incorrectly as adults can have significant. I mean, that could have had a significant impact on both of you. That's right. So you would end up with the wrong person. You would have ended up with the wrong person. Who knows what the ripple effect that that would be? Yeah. Um, the Uh-oh. impact your guys' kids are going to have on the world wouldn't be happening. Like, there's significant ripple effects that can happen just because one person needed to hold on to power and control. That's right. And yeah. and, and say no yeah. to to yeah. two people being together. You know? And I so, think. I think we have been that way since it's almost like like God ordained it. You know what I'm saying? And I don't I, I don't talk like that much anymore, but like we have we've both been fighters from the very beginning and and we've been fighting uh you know, our fight was with the wrong was was misdirected. Right. Now we we are fighting for the right thing. Mm-hmm. We're fighting for each other, and we're fighting for our kids. You know what I'm saying? And um, before we, the fight was completely misdirected. I was, and and she, like I said earlier, she was the enemy. I was the enemy. Um, now that's not the case, and um, I'm just grateful to God that this thing is just it's going to keep getting better and we know that we can't do this by ourselves. we're constantly looking right. Right. to be around right. people um because i think it life should always be who am i who am i helping up who am i growing with and who am i learning from yeah that's good and um i i can't remember who i got that from i i want to say andy stanley why not? The first Andy Stanley shout-out in a while, actually. <laughs> it is, isn't it? I think I subconsciously I think bullied issue. you into not <laughs> mentioning anymore. I kept, kept pointing it out. When oh, I shoot. But I, I think, I, so I can't take credit for that, but I definitely believe that is how life should look, and, and that's what we're doing. We're constantly looking for people that we can yeah. we can help up, we can, we can grow together with, and someone who can pour into yeah. us. So and I think a little bit like I mentioned, we kind of talked about right at the end of the last episode of like, this is why nobody wants to hear from you like six months married folks. Right, 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 right. Because that's just ridiculous. Um, I love At the same time, you, you sometimes have couples who have been married for a while and like they feel like they've made it. Yeah. And they become unteachable. Yeah. I appreciate the fact that you and Mo, even though you guys, I mean, yeah. you graduated in... in from college in 98. Yeah. I started high school in 98. You Crazy. Guys, you guys have some time on us. Crazy. We just, we're in our 13th year. You guys are in your 23rd, 24th year. 22nd. Going into our 23rd. Going into your 23rd yeah. year. So you guys got a decade on us. And yet, when we get together and hang out, yeah. you guys are willing to, you know, lay some stuff out. Like, hey, what do you guys think about this? We've been kind of dealing with this and and seek wisdom yes. from our experience. And, yes. and, like, that's beautiful. Yeah. Like, none of us have ever reached it. That's the that's the larger understanding of yeah. discipleship as as Christians and just as people. Like, you've never reached the top. Yeah. Um, if anything, the more... 
I mean, you look at this, what the scripture talks about wise people is mm-hmm. you become more aware of how little you know in the grand scheme That's of things. It. And so you should never stop mm-hmm. having enough humility to learn. That's more of a male problem than a female problem. Thinking they know. Now, I know statistically, men as they get older fall in love I th- more with their opinion. I think this is how I would say it. I would say I think it's more of a male problem to th- to th- to not listen. Mm. Women will listen even though in the back of their mind they're not actually paying attention. Like in in the sense that they think that they, are, they already know better. Gotcha, I, I think gotcha, that's gotcha. a human condition. Got gotcha. you. But women will still listen, yeah. or at least pretend to. Men will be like, "Get out of my face!" Right. Like gotcha. we won't even. Okay. Well, it, it's like I spent money on this. It, right. The other way that expresses itself is, I, I don't have time for this. I'm yeah. not going to waste yeah. my valuable time on this nonsense. Yeah. And so I'm not going to even listen to you. Yeah. But I I think the idea of like, the pride of thinking that we've made it is is not gender neutral. That, yeah, that's good. So that's our story in a nutshell, um, and it's and it's a growing story. I mean, yeah. it's not over. Yeah, you know I mean, for sure. Uh, but we are we we're about like you said we're about to come into an, another chapter, and we've been preparing for that chapter for a while. Um, I don't know if we'll talk about it separately on an, on another episode, but uh, just what empty nesting looks like mm-hmm. and uh, one of the things Miles Monroe said he even wrote a book about it called Change um, in that book he talks about there's one inevitable thing in life you cannot ever get around it um, but you can prepare for it and he said it's change you know that change is going to happen you can't say exactly when mm-hmm. but it is going to happen that's the one inevitable thing in life and um, ever since I read that book there's just things that I've been mentally preparing preparing for and things that are, that we have been practically preparing for. And mm-hmm. one of those is empty nest. And we've been taking measures ever since we found out about this whole concept of um, not letting change surprise us <laughs> as much as we can, um, is that we've been just doing more things together, just mm-hmm. her and I as a couple, yeah. so that we don't have to get to know each other all over again. Right, so your relationship isn't, isn't based around the right. activities of your kids right. solely, right. and then it's like, oh, we have to hang out right. with each other, this is right. Weird. This Who is this weird. person? Right. So, yeah, but, uh, yeah. We're a little bit over an hour, but I wanted to I wanted to ask you one question, because yeah. I, th- I think it's, we kind of flew by it real quick, but I think it's an important part mm-hmm. of your story, especially in terms of uh, you know, Christians in marriage and all that kind of stuff is how how has the pregnant before married thing played out for you guys? What was it like in the in the middle of it? Yeah, has it has it been an issue or or uh, has it been an issue for anybody else? Like later on in life, as you you know shared that truth, was it something you felt like you had to keep hidden? Did you have to have that conversation with your son, your oldest, mm-hmm. about like, hey, like yeah. this happened before? Yeah. Like, how how did that that particular thing? Because that's such a big deal for within sure. 
Christendom, this whole, you know, absolutely pregnancy, sex outside of marriage. Um, we uh, we definitely we definitely talked we talked about it with all our kids, so all of our kids know um, about that, and it. I feel like it was taboo for um, you know no other reason except it was sin. You know, sex outside of marriage, sin, and um, we thought, oh gosh, we're going to be in trouble now right. with God because. We had sex outside of marriage and, um, m- you know, mo- most of the condemnation that we felt was, was, um, was from church, was from church people. And it wasn't until later that we, she and I both realized that, um, we weren't the first ones to, <laughs> to make that <laughs> mistake and we won't be the only ones to, um, but the other thing I realized is, like I said before, those three things, I, f- I feel like they were major. They're major in everybody's life. But if I had no, if I had, had them in my life early on, that would have been something that would not have happened. Mm-hmm. If I had had a growing relationship with the Lord or something that, um, that I was looking, someone higher, something higher that I was looking to for moral guidance, like how to better treat people. Mm-hmm. Um, and develop developing um, discipline in my life, and being a teachable person, mm-hmm. I would have never put myself in a situation where um, I thought sex would be the answer right. to the problem that was I was currently facing, yeah. and that was right in front of my face. Um, and so, for me, if someone is is comes to me and they have before and 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 was talking about you know I don't know what I'm going to do is my girlfriend da, da 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 or we we she's pregnant and we're not married I immediately tell them those three things mm-hmm. like hey look you need to develop this now because what that is was a symptom of what I didn't have was a bigger the bigger problem mm-hmm. I didn't have discipline in my life so the way that hurts and hurt the way that hurt me later and the way that hurts people later is that if they don't ever get that in check, the rest of their life is going to completely suck. Because right. it's not just... We men tend to, normal, tend to think compartmentally, but our lives aren't like that. Right. Everything's Everything, connected. Everything's connected. Yeah. Everything bleeds into right. each other. So you can think that, oh, I'm just not disciplined in the area of sex. No, you're not disciplined. Mm. So if you're not disciplined, you're not disciplined with money. You're not disciplined with your boss's truck. You're not disciplined with, you know what I'm saying? Right. It bleeds into every other area. And so it's a, it's a symptom of a bigger problem. Not as, I mean, you could, you could scare people and be like, well, you're making God mad when you do that. No, God is unhappy that we aren't getting discipline under control. For me, I feel like he's like, hey, I have so much more for you. You the, you can experience so much more in life mm-hmm. if you get this under control. And it's not sex. It's not gambling. It's discipline in your life. And you don't get that unless you have a relationship, a growing right. relationship with him. That's why I put that first. Right. How is he showing me how to be not just better for him, 
but better for other people. Because me not disciplined hurts you. Right. Me not disciplined hurts my wife. Right. Me not disciplined hurts my kids. Mm -hmm. So um, that that has and and so so the first five years I met, like I said, I was cheating on my wife. So I wasn't I wasn't disciplined you still enough. Disciplined right. Enough. I wasn't disciplined enough to to say you know what, good night. I'm sorry that I that I did that to you. I'll make it up to you later. I, is there anything else I can do? Because I should never have done that. Mm. That was a this this was a time for us to be together. Instead, I was like, hmm, maybe this will work. Mm-hmm. <laughs> you know what I'm saying? And and from that undisciplined decision, unwise undisciplined decision came a flurry of other unwise undisciplined decisions. And for the first five, six years of our marriage, it was like, it was touch and go, you know? And um, so, yeah. So now that that relationship with the Lord is growing and developing, uh, discipline is in Mm. place. Like, I love discipline. Um, And and I'm not talking about punishment. I'm talking about putting, putting... timelines on myself putting putting myself on a schedule yeah. um making sure i have routines that is, i follow is that part of what drove you to martial arts when did you start the martial arts stuff started martial arts in 2000 when did i go on tour 2007 2007 so right around that time when your guys yeah. marriage started to turn around yes and got the council yeah uh, was 2007, 2008? 2008, because I went on tour 2007, and I was gone. Then I came back 2008. Um, that's when I started martial arts. And that, and the Lord just, it had to have been a setup, because I'd always wanted to do it, never had the money, got the money from the tour, mm-hmm. and then and you- did it. And that's where the whole discipline thing started to, because, and I've told this story before about the, the Baileys and the, mm-hmm. the Irish liqueur, no one told me to stop drinking that. It was the explanation of why of why I was so sluggish when it came time to perform in class mm. on Tuesday morning. Right. That made me realize, oh, I want to be good at this, yeah. so I have to stop that. Yeah. No one told me that. I just realized, oh my God, discipline was starting to take hold of me. Right. And um and so, yeah, I would just tell anyone who's who finds themselves in that position that it's, um, yeah, you're, God wants so much more for you. And what he wants for you is a life, uh, like Andy Sandler likes to say, making better decisions mm-hmm. in your life. And in order to make better decisions, you have to be a disciplined right. person. Um, and you can't be that unless you're willing to have a developing relationship with who you and I believe and what this whole podcast is based around, yeah. the Lord. Right. You know, so right. yeah, that was a long answer. No, no, that was good. <laughs> so. That was good. And I think that's that's so perfect in that like we we say we say things like uh, you know, hate the sin, love the sinner. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. And I think in the same vein, when we're dealing with things, we deal with the sin and not the root cause. Yeah. And and that's I mean, th- I think intellectually we understand that that's pointless. Yeah. And yet, in practice, we continue <laughs> to approach things like that. And I was, I was, so I was thinking of a scene from, uh, and, you know, I'm just gonna put it out there, y'all. I've been watching Game of Thrones. <laughs> I've been watching the edited version. Okay, but keep, the Lord, Holy Spirit, is speaking to you in that. He's keeping it clean. But there's this scene where this one dude who's like, 
You ever you ever watch those or movies and like the villain is just so bad yeah. that no matter how they die, it's not enough. It's not yeah. satisfying. You're yeah. like, oh, they deserve so much worse. Yeah. Than that. There was a guy like that in the show, and he was just like super <laughs> evil, right? Wow. And uh, at the end, uh, when he gets defeated finally, they lock him up in in the in the cage with all of his dogs, yeah. his hunting dogs, right? And uh, and the other character is like. You know, he's like, well, my my dogs will never hurt me. Like, they're super, super yeah. obedient. And she's like, well, like you said, you haven't fed them in seven days. And he's like, they'll never, you know, the dogs start to kind of creep out. Yeah, 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 yeah. And one of them gets right up in their face, got the big old big old pit bull head, right? And he's, and he's, he's, he's yelling. He's like, heel, heel, heel. Yeah, yeah, and they're yeah. all coming closer in. And it's just like, you can, you can, you can, you can discipline or reward and teach teach uh, a person yourself a yeah. dog whatever how to do something yeah but at the root of it you can be like you know don't you know don't bang don't bang right, right, don't right, get right, on right. the table don't get on the table you can teach yeah. them but your the root cause is that they're hungry yeah. like yeah. no matter how well yes, trained sir. a dog is if yes, they sir. don't get any food for a week yes, they're going to break the rules that's yes, right and and i think the same like you said like it it was like I didn't need somebody to slap me down for for this or that. What I needed was somebody to point out the fact like this is coming from a lack of discipline. That's, right. That's the root cause. And until That's I deal right. with that, yeah. I might through willpower or shame or because of discipline stop myself from engaging in this sin. Right. But I'm going to engage in some kind of That's sin. That's right. It, it reminds me of my dad like when he finally got clean off of drugs, he smoked, and when mm-hmm. he finally got off of, of smoking, uh, he drank coffee all the time. Oh, and he was just when replacing. he finally got off of coffee, he was overeating all the time. Oh, got you. So he never actually got away from the addiction. That's he right. just Changed moved it. away from the socially unacceptable ones yeah. to more socially acceptable yeah. ones, none of which were really any less damaging to That's him right. as a person. I mean, you could say maybe the, the weed was as damaging as the cigarettes, but then the caffeine and, right. and all the stuff in the coffee and then the overeating, what that does to your body, like... Yeah. And it's it's all, the thing was no there's no discipline. Body keeps score. It's and it again it hurts everyone else around you. And I wasn't looking at it like that. I was just like, well, how is this? I think we talked about this with the porn thing. How how is porn hurting them? Yeah, it's just me and this computer. Right. You know what I'm saying? But um, it spills out into relationships because of the lack of discipline and the lack of uh, lack of discipline just tells at the root of there's an under right there's a sub right. definition um, a sub root uh, if you will and that sub root is selfishness yeah. like it's literally just goes back to being selfish and I just cared about yeah. myself too Satisf- much satisfying yeah. the flesh and that's the power of prayer and fasting yeah. and why we need to really have that in our yeah. And our in our regular rhythm as Christians, because what is it? Is it like oh, God wants us to suffer. Is it is it about removing things so you can take that time to focus on God? Yeah. Is it yeah. about okay, I'm gonna give up food for Lent and save the money I would have spent on to give to the poor? Is it about that? Yeah. But what it's really about is training yourself to have enough discipline to say no to your flesh. That's right.
better we are at that, the more likely we are in the moment when sin temptation comes to be able to say, nope. Because then you're 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 practiced, you're ready. Yeah, you're yeah exactly. You're You're practiced, you're trained. You've been Mm -hmm. discipled Mm -hmm. in the art of controlling Mm -hmm. your flesh. Mm -hmm. How whatever. Yeah. expression that may take. Yeah. So your ability to give a food will give you strength to say no to pornography or say no to that pretty girl or mm-hmm. say no to that DM, mm-hmm. whatever it might be. Mm-hmm. When you're mm-hmm. on the road, that's right. like if you've been able to, you know, go seven days without eating and or a water fast or whatever, you're going to yeah. be able to go on a pretty girl who wants to see me after the gig fast. That's like, right. It, it, discipline begets discipline right. in all different areas. In the same way that lack yep. of discipline flows throughout of our life. That's right. A presence of discipline can also flow throughout our life. So And it's good for everybody. So yeah, that a lot good. of good stuff, man. That was uh, good. We have we have different stories. <laughs> <laughs> but uh, I'm, I'm I'm always kind of in, I'm impressed by just the sheer I'm like, man, these two God intended them to be there because you guys Push past so many barriers. We sure did. And we was like, we gonna do this. I mean, just the sheer, <laughs> just the sheer number of years. Yeah. And, and the fact that like Mariah under had that understanding, like from the first time you guys met. That way still back blows my mind. Because I was, mm, I was ram. <laughs> I was, I was a, I was a number back then, boy. Goodness. Yeah. I did not care. Good lord. So man, this this yeah, this was good. Thank you for um uh I'm I'm glad we're doing this season like this season is going going to go in this direction. Um cuz yeah, we should we should definitely uh tap into as we're getting closer like you said at the beginning uh last last episode Valentine's Day and all that stuff and Really, what does it look like to be in relationship as believers, in marriage relationship as believers, um, that not only um, resembles the relationship the Lord wants to have with us, but how people should be seeing, how mm. people should be seeing it, um, and um, like, is it in love or is it in purpose? <laughs> you, you know what I'm saying? Um, and yes, we 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 definitely love each other, but we didn't start off. We didn't start off knowing that we loved each other. We just wanted that. I'm just going to say, we just wanted that booty. You know what I'm saying? The love didn't come until later. Yeah. Like, that joker will die. I will die for her. She mm-hmm. will die for me. You know what I'm saying? And we couldn't say that in the beginning. Right. But now we know each other. I was doing laundry today, and I was like, if anything ever happens to her, God forbid, I'm done. Like, I'm done. You know how long it took for us to get here, right. where we are today. This I'm not going through all that work. Is <laughs> amazing. We worked so hard to get here. Where like, I I can't wait. I can't wait to not to be done with this, so I could go sit on the couch with her. You know what I'm saying? <laughs> like, I can't wait to be with her. Yeah. Um, and I almost want her to have extra work. So that I can, like, if she's working, I'm going to work. If she's not working, I, we already had this conversation. We have it a lot. Like, babe, I'm just going to be with you. If you're not doing anything, I'm sitting with you. What are you talking about? Yeah. Unless you say, hey, why don't you go practice? Then I'm going to go practice. Unless you let me practice next to you, I'm going to be sitting here with you. Mm-hmm. You know, you can sit on, like, put your legs on me, whatever. I'm just, I just want to be with you. Yeah. Um. Now it's love. And... 
I don't think the lust, like the the sexual attraction, has not that's not gone, but now the love is overpowering. Yeah, that like actual love is overpowering the sexual attraction, mm-hmm. and um, and man, that took work. That yeah. took work to get it took to work that. and time. Yeah. yeah. So, no. yeah, I hope this. We're very thankful up. for your guys' marriage because we benefited from it. And, that's uh, awesome. It's been it's been a lot of fun. That's awesome. Both of us knowing you guys. So. <laughs> that's awesome. Yeah. All right. So I hope you guys got something from that. Uh, again, uh, these were these two episodes were. I mean, we we got into some depth, but of course, we didn't address everything. There might be things you guys have questions about. Happy to talk about them. If, if any of our story resonated with something you've gone through or going through, and and maybe don't have peace or wisdom about or anything like that, feel free to hit us up. Uh, Social media, Facebook, Instagram, Twitter, uh, all three of those, at the Faith Chair, um, will get you to us. And then uh, you can email us at faithchairpodcast at gmail.com. Again, that's faithchairpodcast at gmail.com. We'd love to hear from you guys. And uh, we're excited for the rest of the season. We're going to continue to get into it, as you heard it today. Woo-hoo. We're going to be getting into the pornography thing, the masturbation question. You know, we might get some more into sex before marriage, dating, courtship. Um, sex and marriage. Sex, sex in marriage. Like how to deal with past hurts and yeah. like how, how to approach sex with if your partner has had an issue with it, you know, um... Yeah. If they were molested, if they were raped, and you know, vice versa, and now, but now you're both uh, followers of Christ. Right, How do we right. approach sex now? Yeah. We might get deeper into the whole equally yoke things. That's such yeah. a huge component of yeah. Christian marriage conversations and and uh, guidelines and stuff like that. But but yeah, we're we're excited about this. We're gonna have fun, and hopefully, you guys are too. Uh, we appreciate you guys listening. Thank you, uh, Lord. We out, y'all. Peace, peace, and love. Thanks Thanks for for listening. listening. Join us next time. Yes, please join us next time as Jesse and I continue to answer questions that arise at the intersection of faith and culture.